Hi everyone, my name is Irvin. I'm John. And I'm Kyle. And this is The Theology Podcast. So this week, we are continuing in our meditation on God's character as we see Him revealing Himself in Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7. This week, we are talking about that second characteristic of grace. And grace is one of those churchy, Christian-y words that we often take to mean some kind of supernatural soap for sin. By saying that five times fast. <laughs> no, yeah. Supernatural soap for sin. So, 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 so. So, so, so. Yeah, and when we look at scripture though, we see that grace carries something more than that. Yes, especially in the New Testament, the chief act of grace is to cleanse us from sin, to wash us, to be pure and to be holy in the sight of God. But we see that when the word grace is used as a description of God's character, there's something more to that. And one of the places that we see this is in John chapter 8, verses 2 to 11, where Jesus, God incarnate, embodies and demonstrates and gives grace to someone else. So let's read this. This is John 8, verses 2 to 11. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. This is one of those episodes in scripture that hits home to so many of us who have a keen awareness of sin within us and yet we find in Jesus something special that he gives to us that we find we don't deserve. So as we read this story, what are we discerning about the grace, the gracious character of God in Jesus? Yeah, the first thing that I notice is uh, just thinking about the idea of graciousness. I think about people in my life who've been identified as somebody who's gracious and as somebody who's always very polite, very mild-mannered and doesn't really get overly offended at someone else. Yeah, doesn't Uh, get angry. Yeah, doesn't Mm. really get angry and always have very nice and polite things to say in no matter what situation. Even when they're faced with something very rude or vulgar or something like that, there's still, there's this level of, I I mean, that's what we call it, graciousness, (laughs) where they just handle it so gracefully. Right? Yeah. And I think that's something that we see in in God in the flesh here with Jesus 
in that he's presented with a very vulgar situation. Yeah. Uh, this is a woman that's very offensive because of the act that she's been caught in. And the Pharisees are shining a light on this. And they're very, you know, in some ways, it's very like, obscene that they're doing this in a public space. Uh, but Jesus takes this in a very gracious way as well. In that, and by that, he's like, he doesn't, he doesn't jump into the mud with everyone else. Uh, mm. He doesn't join in. Uh, to what's obscene uh, according to God. And in doing so, he doesn't pass judgment on her. The judgment is already brought to her of her own accord. He simply has to be present in all of his purity and all of his holiness. And that alone is enough to condemn her in, in her sin. He doesn't have to do anything else. And the second thing I noticed is I never really paid attention to it until this just now, just this reading, because I always focused on, oh, what is Jesus doing when he's riding on the ground? In some ways, it's just a matter of buying time. And that's something I never really thought about in relationship to graciousness until we started mm. talking about this, is how God's graciousness knows no time boundaries. Mm. There's no deadline here. He's not waiting you know, for something to hurry up and, okay, now the judgment can be, be given. Mm. There's, there's no end in sight. He'll wait as long as necessary in order to bestow this graciousness upon this woman. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like what you mentioned as well about Jesus reacting graciously. In fact, he doesn't jump into the mud against the religious leaders of yeah, the day yeah. and say that, you know, you are the one who's sinful. Yeah, he doesn't pass judgment on the women, but he also doesn't bring that fire and brimstone on the spiritual leaders, at least at this point. Right, right. Yeah, and I thought that was amazing. Um, you know, John, when you said you wanted to chat about this passage and talk about graciousness, I was wondering, where, where's the word grace in here? And then as the more I read this passage, the more I realized that it was really an act of grace. You know, it doesn't have to mm. say that. And Jesus showed grace to the mm. woman, but he embodied grace in, in his response and in the way that the story was written. But it also reminded me of another time where the author John talks about Moses and the law in John chapter 1. And mm. interestingly, it says there, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? So yeah. it, some versions say, but, you know, almost as if Jesus is the opposite of Moses. But I mean, I don't think it says that, Kyle, it doesn't, no, right? no. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So perhaps, this is an example of how grace is being lived out through Jesus and not only grace, but truth as well. Mm. Uh, the other side of it. And, and so what's the truth here? Mm. Yes, the truth is that the woman was adulterous, but perhaps the greater truth here is what the law represents is God's way of calling the people like at Mount Sinai, calling them back to Him, you know, and we're hoping that they will be formed by His character and by His instruction. That's, that's the law. It's not, it's not a punitive law to try to say, ah, there you're wrong. Because that, that's exactly what the spiritual leaders were doing. Yeah, right? they're during, trying to wield it as a weapon. Yes, yeah, yeah weaponize mm. it and, and put you down. But the law was always to, to bring people towards God and yeah, not to push them away. Yeah, a law that finds its fullest expression and fulfillment in grace and truth. Grace and truth yeah. of Christ almost as the continuation and the completion of that good life-giving law. Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. fascinating. And there's probably so much more we could be talking about the specifics of this passage. But as I read this contemplatively and try putting myself in that situation, what Kyle, you were saying about how there is no time limit on the bestowing of grace. I find that one of the graces that appears in this story is when Jesus is stooping down, writing on the ground and almost waiting for that realization 
for everybody there to kick in that, oh, I'm actually a sinner. I am not without sin. I don't have the right to throw this stone. And that realization in itself could be a kind of grace as well. Is it not a blessing and a gift to me to realize that, oh, I'm actually in need of someone to come and save me from my brokenness as well. Yeah. And then that finds its fullest completion when Jesus pronounces upon the woman, neither do I condemn you. Like Irvin, you were saying, yes, there's a recognition that something has been done wrong. But at the same time, it is met not with a stone, but with words of healing and compassion. Yeah. And I think to, to bring it back to, you know, well, what does that mean for us today? If we're going to embody these characteristics of God in our own humanity, one of the things I recognize is that we as Christians, we don't have to become the moral police of society. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go around saying, hey, this is wrong. Or, hey, why are you doing this? You shouldn't be doing this. That's what the Pharisees were falling into. They were weaponizing their morality and trying to use it in a punitive way. Whereas Jesus shows them the proper way to do that in a way of graciousness. And so he doesn't have to talk about it. Oh, I'm so gracious. And so I'm going to bestow this grace upon you. He just does it. And I think that's something that we can learn from as well. We need to have that posture where we're not going around accusing everybody. We're not going around passing judgment on everybody as the moral police of society, but we offer this grace. And it's through this grace that other people come to realize their own personal flaws, their own, and, they, and they're convicted, just like Jesus convicted other people simply by being present with them. He didn't have to point it out. It was quite obvious when you're standing next to the standard of the image of God in the flesh, what it's supposed to look like. And wow, what a conviction for each of us. So as we go forth, may we manifest the graciousness of our Lord Jesus in our own lives. May we go out with His presence and offer not condemnation, but grace and healing to those we are in contact with. May we also find ourselves in the position of the woman or the people in that surrounding who receive this grace of being aware that yes, we are also in need. We are not full and complete ourselves. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, give us your grace. May that become our prayer this week as we seek to live as Jesus would. That's all we have for this week on the Theology Podcast. See you next week.